Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you realize that your true self is your superpower. My guest this week is Francesca Reichter, and I am really excited to be sharing her story with you today. Francesca has been through a lot to get where she is today, but she is the perfect example of someone who has used her challenges and the hardship she's faced to really make a difference and make sure that others don't have to face those experiences alone. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Francesca Reichter. My name is Francesca Reichter, and I am the founder and president of Inspiring My Generation. Inspiring My Generation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization fighting to save lives through mental health awareness, early symptom detection, and suicide prevention. We do this with three main initiatives. Our first one is the Normalize the Conversation podcast series, where I bring on professionals, advocates, anyone who wants to share their story not just to normalize the conversation, but provide the essential resources and information that most people just don't know because we don't talk about it. The second one is our emotional support program, and that is our encouragement cards. Every month, we donate between 250 and 500 cards to our partnered behavioral health facilities. This includes Broward Health, Fort Lauderdale Behavioral Health, and Fair Oaks Pavilion at Delray Medical Center. We are constantly expanding that program. And lastly, our workbook series, we have published the first workbook this year called You Are Not Alone, the workbook. And that's meant to help kids learn how to cope with their emotions. I mean, we don't teach kids how to cope. And that's crazy because life is full of stressors. No matter who you are, you are going to go through things. You need these essential tools to prepare you and to help you through it instead of waiting until you're struggling to reach out for help. So that's a little bit about inspiring my generation and the work that we're doing. That was such a great introduction, Francesca, and I'm really excited to be talking with you today. I'd love to get started by having you tell me a little bit more about your background and maybe some of the experiences that led you to want to get involved in mental health advocacy and get started with inspiring my generation. So can you tell me some about those experiences that you've had that really got you to this point that you are today being so involved with mental health advocacy and with your organization? Yes. So Inspiring My Generation actually started over a decade ago as a blog. By the time I was 12 years old, I knew that I wanted to change the world, but I also just felt so depressed. I was struggling with depression, anxiety, and eating disorders. And I felt like I couldn't be happy, but I so desperately didn't want anyone else to feel that way. So I launched the blog with different topics of lessons I was learning, quotes that I was writing, and just trying to help people and hope that what I was learning and wasn't able to retain for myself would help someone else and be retained by them. And then it turned into a podcast when I was 15. And it was really a way to share lessons that I was learning as well. So 
the importance of spending time with your family because you don't know how long everyone's going to be there. Driving safely, paying attention to the words that you're using, um, not bullying people, just different topics that I didn't feel like we emphasized enough that were really important, at least really important to me. And then after that, when I was getting ready to go to college, my parents separated and their divorce took three years. It was a very nasty divorce and they were destroying each other during it. But what they didn't realize was they were kind of destroying me and my brother in the process, not because they wanted to, just because they forgot how or they didn't realize that they were putting us in the middle. And that when they didn't show up, if one of them wasn't there, one of them wasn't there to take pictures for my prom or for my graduation or to move me into school, it just felt like they didn't care. And it was so hard to accept that it was a fight between them and not anything to do with me or my brother. So then around that time, I just my eating disorder came back. I was really struggling with depression, anxiety to the point where I was giving myself ulcers and throwing up blood clots because I was so stressed. I was so stressed about not being good enough, about not making everyone proud of me, about not knowing exactly who I wanted to be because my life felt so shaken up. But I was so lucky to have the world's greatest grandparents. And my grandfather specifically became a lifeline for me because we FaceTime three times a day, every morning for coffee, every day after class, so I could tell him about how much I either enjoyed or hated the class and the topic. And we would study for exams together and we'd FaceTime for dinner. No matter who he was with or where he was or what he was doing, he made sure to include me. And he always made me feel really important when I kind of felt neglected from my parents' divorce. And I was graduating college two and a half years in. So I had put so much stress and pressure on myself to graduate early and not just graduate early, but graduate at the top of my class. And I couldn't have done it without my grandfather calling me before exams and calming me down and helping me through it, listen to me study for hours. And three weeks before, right before I was about to take my last three final exams, my grandparents got into a fatal car accident. My grandfather passed away on impact and my grandmother was in the hospital. I was so, so lucky that a few of my teachers allowed me to go home and just gave me the A because my grades were well and I was, I worked really hard in school. So they gave me the grade that I was expected to get and allowed me to go be with my grandmother. So I slept on the chair in the hospital next to her for 10 days I helped her learn how to walk again, helped her bathe, help her just do everything that she wasn't able to do anymore. She had broken eight ribs, her wrist, her collarbone, needed so many surgeries. And I was very lucky to have the opportunity to be there with her. But because I've spent so much time trying to take care of her and trying to be everything for her and trying to help her not feel the pain, I never gave myself a chance to grieve. And all of a sudden I was living life without one of the most important people in the world to me. And by Christmas Eve, which was about a month later, I had attempted suicide because I just felt so broken. It finally hit me that he wasn't here and he wasn't going to ever be here again. And that was a holiday where we spent 
all night getting ready. He would cook. I would supervise slash eat all the food and we'd get the table set together, me and my grandparents. And it was really our holiday of doing everything together, helping them wrap the presents, going shopping with them. So when that holiday was kind of taken away and changed up, I wasn't ready to cope with it or deal with it. I remember running into my aunt's arms, crying, why didn't it work? Why am I still here? And my uncle laying down with me and talking with me about mental health, about therapy, about medication, about supplements, about all these things that no one had talked to me about before. I mean, I was in therapy when I was younger for my eating disorder, but I didn't learn about it in a way that there was no stigma in the way that it was just a conversation. And he was the first person who just made it normal to me. But 27 days later, I lost him to suicide. And that broke my heart. I mean, he understood what I was going through, but he really understood. And I didn't know that. And I felt so guilty. How did I not know? I withdrew from my master's program for a semester moved in with my aunt and little cousins and did everything I could to help them. I stayed up all night taking care of my aunt because I was terrified of the pain she was feeling and I didn't want her to go through it alone. And I spent all day taking care of my little cousins, getting up early, making them breakfast, taking them to school, taking them to dance, helping them with their homework, just trying to be there for them so that they didn't have to feel the pain so drastically alone. I didn't want them to feel like they were alone and feel like they didn't have anyone to talk to. But that whole time, I hadn't grieved my grandfather yet, and I had no idea how to begin grieving my uncle. I ended up attempting suicide two more times, and I ended up in a psych ward where I saw how many other people were struggling. And when you're struggling, at least in my experience, I felt so alone and like no one out there would really, really understand. But being inside the psych ward, I saw how many other people had attempted suicide or had a plan to attempt suicide. And they also needed support. They desperately needed to feel like someone cared. I made a point to learn everyone's name and their story and why they were here. And then when we had karaoke night, I would grab everyone and have them dance and make um, my background dancers and singers, which I got in trouble for because that is not, I guess, considered safe inside the psych ward. Someone could get hurt. But I wanted everyone to feel like they were included and like they mattered. But when I got out, I decided inspiring my generation was meant to be more than a blog or a podcast. It was meant to be a nonprofit organization fighting for those who lost their voices to suicide or who were barely hanging on and no one was listening and no one saw them. So I spent a year in recovery doing so much therapy, different kinds of therapy, neurofeedback, psychotherapy, talk therapy, just trying to understand where I was, learn how to cope with so many different things I had gone through, trying to understand what happened and make peace with it instead of feeling ashamed or guilty or weak or not enough. And then I launched Inspiring My Generation as the 501c3 on March 13th, 2020, in honor of my uncle who had passed away. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. And I just really want to express how amazing 
I think it is that you were able to take all of those experiences that you had and turn them into this really amazing organization that is now inspiring my generation. And I think you're doing great work and I'm so glad that you found this outlet for your advocacy and you're you're just able to support so many others. So I'm so inspired by your story. I would also love to know if there was one thing that you wish you could share with everyone about mental health and the work that you're doing, what would you want to share with everyone? What do you wish everyone could understand about mental health? First, thank you for your kind words and support. Secondly, what I would say is that I've been there and you really aren't alone. You're not weak for having feelings and emotions, for going through something that feels like too much to handle. You're human. You have emotions, the good and bad ones. And that's why you get to have the good ones because you had to feel the bad ones. We all go through stuff in different ways and some people may not show it. That doesn't mean they're not struggling too. You genuinely are not alone. And if you reach out to someone for support and they don't listen to you, or they invalidate you or gaslight you, that's a reflection of them. That has nothing to do with you. That doesn't mean you're weak or you're making it up or you're just looking for attention. They don't understand or they don't want to admit it or they're afraid to have a conversation. That doesn't mean you should stop speaking up for yourself. You deserve support no matter who you are or what you've gone through. I think that's great advice, and I'm so glad that you shared it because it's definitely something that we all need to think about, and I'm sure that you've had so many different conversations through your podcast, through your advocacy, and I'm sure just throughout your life, and I'd love to know, what is some of the best advice that you've ever gotten from others? Are there any words of wisdom you try to live by? Does anything like that come to mind for you? I had one episode with Riel John Baptiste. And he said to me that your true self is your superpower. And I love that so much because we're afraid to be honest about who we are. Where with social media specifically, when you see everyone's great lives and how much they have and what they're doing you tend to feel like you have to put on a face too and you have to appear a certain way. And that's so draining. And when you're not living authentically and being honest with yourself about where you are and who you are and you're not honest with those around you and you're trying to hide behind a face that you think everyone's looking for and wants, it breaks you. And your real strength Your superpower, what you have to offer to the world, comes from who you are at your core. I love that advice, and I think it's so important to remember, especially as you mentioned, when you're using social media, that's important to remember, because there's so much good that can come from social media, but there's also a lot of bad, so definitely keeping that in mind is so important. I have one last question for you. Lots of young people, especially college students, high school students, want to create change, but they may not know how or maybe where to get started. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? It is so hard when you don't know where to start. And I've been there. And what I could say is start small. Do one thing 
that may make a difference, whether it's writing a blog post about something you've gone through or something that you believe in, whether it's going live on Instagram or making a video or reel or a TikTok about something you believe in, standing up for something, just putting your voice out there. Even if you don't know exactly what you want to do after that, just use your voice. When you get that positive response from people and you get to engage in conversations, whether it's with people who have the same perspective or a different perspective, you can start to learn about what you want to do. But until you put yourself out there for the first time, it's hard to figure out exactly who you want to be and what you want your voice to do. I learned so much from listening to Francesca's story and all of the advice that she shared. She has been through so many difficult experiences in her life, and I'm so inspired by the way that she's channeled those hardships into motivation to help others who may also be struggling. Francesca is using Inspiring My Generation to ensure that no one feels alone in their struggles with mental health, and she's truly being a resource, and I think she's being a resource that she wishes she would have had in the past. When she mentioned her favorite advice, Francesca talked about how finding your true self is your superpower, and she is really living by that motto, by finding her true self and her passions, and then using them to support others and advocate for mental health. So, I think we can all take a page out of Francesca's book, because change comes when you realize that your true self is your superpower. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can connect with Francesca on Instagram at fryketer, and you can find Inspiring My Generation on Instagram as well at at Inspiring My Generation. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then... Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.